so we are in week two of our Down to Earth series, and um, we last week talked about Big K Kingdom, being Big K Kingdom people, people who care about God's kingdom more than our own personal kingdom, or even our church's small K Kingdom. We're a part of something much bigger as Christians and as a church, and we should be generous, and we should be focused on creating God's kingdom as it is, we talked about the disciples wanting to call down fire upon people who didn't want to respond to Jesus. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there a couple times. Um, it's not the way that we're called to respond. Uh, today we're looking at a different part of being a kingdom-minded person. Um, and that part is how we communicate the gospel. That kingdom-minded people can communicate, can uh, proclaim the gospel, okay? And so I just want to start here. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to get us started in a parable that Jesus tells about the kingdom of God, okay? Now, Jesus used parables quite a bit, and he's actually going to talk about it in this section, why he uses those parables, but he would generally tell a story to communicate um, a, a truth to a bunch of people. So you'd have a group full of people that were all over the map on how smart they were, how educated, uh, what they knew, what they had in common, and he would use stories to communicate really intense truths. These stories still are important to us today, and it will communicate a really important truth before we're done. So I'm going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Okay, So Jesus has been kind of working his way through an area, and no matter where he goes... This huge crowd follows him, okay? So just before this, he had tried to escape to a solitary place to be alone with God, and a huge crowd of people followed him. And everywhere he goes, these people are following. He has this big kind of crowd at his heels everywhere. And so it says, this is what happened was today, the same thing. The same day Jesus went out of the house, sat by the lake. It said, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat. He sat in it, and while all the people stood on shore, so they put him on a boat, they pushed him out into the lake, and anybody from Minnesota understands this principle. This is like a natural amphitheater, right? Anybody who's on the middle of a lake, if they make enough noise in the right direction, you're standing on shore, you can hear what they're saying, right? This is like uh, amplification. Now, I know we're in a very cavernous room, and it's so echoey right now, Ben, it's so echoey that I can almost not even understand what I'm saying, just so you know, if there's anything you can do about that. Um, but he got out, pushed out into the lake, and this was allowing people to hear him, and he decided to use this opportunity to share with them something super important. So it says, he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, most of these people would have completely understood what he was talking about. They would have, at some point in their life, sown seed. I have not, myself, I don't grow anything. I don't tend to anything. I don't want to keep anything alive. Um, even my yard, generally, if there's like a patch of missing grass, I'll just be like, that's a great place for a fire pit, you know? Or uh, there's like the kids swing, I'll just leave that spot the way it is. I'm not growing grass in that place. But anyone who's, you know, planted something, you understand the concept, especially if you're trying to rebuild your lawn. There's a spot, you sow the seed, you kind of throw it out on the spot. And if you're smart, you probably cover it, right? So that way the birds won't come and eat it. That way it will take root and create the grass that you want. In this case, these would have been farmers who were used to planting food and understood the concept. So he says, um, as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. This is what would happen if I tried to do something in my yard, because I would sow it, and then the birds would eat it, and I'd be like, where's the grass, right? 
So there's one situation where the birds came along and ate it up. The next one, it says it fell on some rocky places where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was so shallow. So he says there's uh, another situation where when he was sowing the seed, there wasn't enough soil for it to really take root, and so it really, you know, wasn't able to sort of, sort of take the root. It says when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. I think we all understand that. It's not a place where you can grow grass very well or grow vegetables very well. It's not going to work quite right. You've got to create the raised planters, you know, so you have enough uh, stuff in there, I think. Is that a thing? Then he said, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So he gives you a couple of examples of times when the seed really wasn't going to make it. On the path, in the rocky soil, in a, a place where there were, um, where there were weeds. In all those situations... Uh, or thorns, were all those situations the, the seed didn't do very well. He says, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times that was sown. So he says, obviously the stuff that works the best is the stuff that's in the right soil. And the people there were like, what is Jesus talking about? It's a legit question. Even now as we read this, I can't tell you how many times as a youth pastor I tried to teach this parable share this with people, and their takeaways on this were just, it's hard to understand. It doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. You kind of wonder what's going on. And the disciples wondered what's going on. I'm going to get more to what it means in a minute. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus uh, tells them at the end of the parable, if you can hear, I want you to understand. And you're like, everybody can hear, Jesus. What are you talking about. What was Jesus talking about when he said that? That they who had ears let them hear. And the disciples were just as confused as anybody else. Everyone there was confused and the disciples were confused. And they were like, what is it they were talking about? So the disciples came to him and they asked, why do you speak to people in parables? Can you explain to me why you do this, Jesus? And Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever will be given more, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And they're like, perfectly clear, crystal clear now. Makes total sense to me. I do not understand what you're talking about, Jesus. I don't get the parable. I don't understand why you did this. And your explanation of it hasn't necessarily helped me understand exactly why you were telling us that story. What was the point of it? Uh, And... I think we're at a place now in our society where a lot of the times when we're talking about things that uh, pertain to the gospel, pertain to Christ, it's lost. It's lost on people. I could be up here telling a story, and generally people are going to be looking at me, they're going to be listening, but they're not really going to hear. Right? There's a lot of people out there, I think, when you start to talk about it, they have issues that keep them from hearing, or they're not open to hearing, or the soil isn't good in their lives, and they're not going to actually be able to hear what is going on. So I want to clarify what that last verse was about. And I pulled this out of the message to give us another uh, insight into what that might mean. Okay? So here's what the message says. This is from verse 11, what I just read to you. He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everyone has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. He says there's a difference between people who understand God's uh, kingdom and his gospel and people who do not understand God's kingdom 
and his gospel. There's two groups of people here that I'm talking to. I'm talking to people who understand the gospel, and I'm talking to people who don't understand it. I'm talking to people who get spiritual things and understand what Jesus was about, and people who haven't figured that out yet. He says, not everyone has this gift. It hasn't been given to them, but it's been given to you. He says, whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. He says, when someone is ready to hear God's word, they hear it. It becomes real to them. I know this is true because even in your story, there's probably a moment where things went from being confusing, not making any sense, to being clarified, and all of a sudden the understanding happened for you. There's a thing from being able to see and hear something to being able to understand and believe something that happens in us. Now, I, I could go back and know exactly when this was because for me, I've shared this story before, I... Uh, was someone who grew up uh, in my sort of, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old time frame in the church. My mom would drag me to church in the morning, uh, and I would sit through a service, I would sit through a Sunday school class, and to me, nothing made any sense to me at all. People talked a lot about all kinds of things, right? We opened up Bibles and we read stuff, but we seemed to read from, from all over the place, And we seem to talk about things in ways that everyone had like a secret coded language that I didn't understand what they were really talking about. And I I can remember thinking, I'm not really sure. Everyone keeps talking about the gospel. I don't know what the gospel is. And there was an aha moment for me when I was 13 years old where someone actually shared with me the gospel in a very clear, concise way. And all of a sudden, I understood what that meant. There's a threshold you cross over when things don't make any sense to where all of a sudden everything starts to become an aha. And now the things of God become very clear to people when they cross over that threshold. And I think there are a lot of people living right on the edge of that threshold, but they haven't grasped the gospel yet. The gospel is quite simple. We're going to talk in a second more about how we communicate it, but let me just stop for a second and explain what I'm talking about when I talk about the gospel. The gospel starts with the idea that all of us, every single one of us, right, we are all imperfect. That if we look deep inside of our hearts, there is a selfishness that we fight every day. It goes all the way back to the beginning of the first people. We see Adam and Eve in a garden and we think, you know, uh, how terrible that they screwed everything up. But to be honest with you, if you were in the garden, at some point, your selfishness would have sinned as well. That's the point. That's where we start with. I think a lot of people think that they're very good people, and they might not be wrong in comparison to other people, but when we look at where we stand with God, whether we've met the standard of perfection of Jesus, I think all of us would look in the mirror and say, we don't. We don't meet that standard of perfection. For me, as an 11, 12, (laughs) 13-year-old, you couldn't make a case that I was even a good person. So that was not very hard for me to grab hold of. right? But we start with the idea that we're very sinful and selfish, that something needs to be fixed, that there's this gap between us and God, that we feel like he's a million miles away, and we realize the problem is sin. It's separating us from God, that sin is the thing that keeps us from being in relationship with God, and then we learn about God, that he was this loving creator who didn't want to leave us in that situation, and so he found a way to fix things, to reconcile, to bring us back into relationship with him. And his way of doing that was to send Jesus. 
to show us what it looked like to live this life and also to be a sacrifice to forgive all the sins in our lives. And so when we talk about the gospel, we talk about moving from a place of separation from God and of death to a place of life and connection to Jesus. Now this is crazy to people who don't understand. I'm not going to hit that anymore. Who don't understand. It says in scripture that people who aren't Christians think this is silliness. It's craziness. That doesn't make any sense to them. I remember waking up as a 13-year-old when someone explained that to me very concisely and thinking, I've been in a church for three years and no one's ever really explained this profound truth to me clear enough that I could get it. I don't know if I was rocky soil or if I was on the path or if I was in the thorns, but I wasn't in good soil, a place where I could understand and receive the gift that Jesus was offering me. Jesus goes on here in Matthew 13, same passage we read, but then the message. He says, but if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. He says, if people aren't ready, prepared to receive the seed, to to receive the gospel, then it doesn't take root. He says, this is why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people towards receptive insight. And I want to stop for a second and ask you the question. Do you create readiness for the gospel in people? Do you nudge people instead of shove or hit in the face with with the Bible or fight with or try to argue into the kingdom or do you create a longing in them, a desire for more of what you're trying to share and to nudge them towards being receptive? Because there's a state where someone needs to be brought to a place where they can hear before you can even share the gospel, right? And so as we talk about proclaiming the gospel as Christians, as kingdom-minded people, as people who bring God's kingdom to earth, we first have to talk about preparing people's hearts to hear the gospel and then being able to share the gospel. Jesus continues, he says, in their present state, they can only... They can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. <laughs> this is how Jesus spoke. This is, this is how he spoke. He said, they stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. And they screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. And as Jesus was on the scene, there were very receptive people and people who weren't receptive at all. And he generally nudged and was gentle and communicated in a way that left them desiring more. Okay? And often we'll talk about, um, just as a church, what kind of feel we want to have. And to be honest with you, we don't want to desperately grab or try to control people we want to invite people in and allow them to find their, their place here and allow them to kind of flourish in this community. Right? The most desperate people who are desperately trying to grab hold of somebody come off being the most uh, difficult to listen to. It's about creating a readiness in them to nudge them, to uh, gently bring them to a place of under, understanding. I want to go back to the NIV uh, and it says, this is the, uh, the other version of that same passage. It says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving. 
For people's hearts have become callous. They've hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. And think about that progress. They would see with their eyes, they would hear with their ears, and they would understand with their hearts. As a kingdom-minded person proclaiming the gospel, it starts with how we act towards people. They will see with their eyes what's going on in our lives. Then it's how we use our words to communicate the gospel to them. They'll hear with their ears. And if we pass both of those hurdles, then it gets to a place of understanding in their hearts. There is a progression as Christians. We're called to live it in front of them and then be able to communicate it and speak it clearly and then to watch Jesus do the work in their lives. He said, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but didn't see it and to hear what you hear but didn't hear it. He says, don't you understand, guys? You have a special role in the kingdom to proclaim the gospel. You've seen. You've understood. You've heard the message. You understand that Jesus was standing in front of them explaining it's right in front of you. That Jesus' main message as he went around that entire region was the kingdom is here. Right? John went around saying the kingdom is near. Jesus went around saying the kingdom is here. And now the disciples were standing there seeing things that prophets and righteous people longed to see for thousands and thousands of years as God was unrolling his plan out in front of humanity. Pretty amazing. And now we get to be in that role. All right, so I want to give you three things that kingdom-minded people do when they proclaim the gospel. The first is they share the gospel clearly, okay? And you'll be surprised how few Christians can actually share the gospel in a very clear and concise way. What we get in America is a mixture of the gospel and uh, being a good person. We say, hey, you got to be righteous and do good stuff and be a good person, and then uh, Jesus will let you into heaven. And they miss the step of us being uh, utterly selfish and needing grace and allowing Jesus to step in and, and solve that problem and it leading to us living a righteous life because of our relationship with Jesus. Look what he says. Uh, this is what uh, Jesus says about the parable. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. He says, If you're not ready to communicate the gospel clearly, then you will be like a sower who is spreading seed along a path and watching the enemy come and steal away the gospel as you uh, throw it along the path. You'll be missing the idea that there is a very clear and concise way to communicate the gospel so that people can understand. And if you can't do it in a way that clearly communicates it, you're sowing seed, you're sharing the gospel, but it's just being pulled away. That the enemy is stealing that seed. So kingdom-minded people share the gospel clearly. Now, I'm sure most of you haven't done international mission trips with teenagers. Um, I have. Uh, And I'll tell you, one of the things we always do in preparation for those mission trips is talk about how to share the gospel clearly. If you are in a position where you're like, you know what, I really would like to work on that. I need some pointers. Then you know what, email me sometime. We'll have a great conversation. I'll put some tools in your hands. But let me just give you one thing to think about. Sharing the gospel oftentimes 
is as easy as sharing your own personal story. And if you have been transformed by Jesus, if there is a before Jesus, a moment where you accepted Jesus, and an after Jesus story to your life, you can share the gospel in a very easy and concise and clear way. I do this all the time. I talk about the fact that I, you know, didn't fit, didn't understand, didn't know Jesus, didn't understand the gospel. Then I met Christ very clearly when I was 13 years old, on my knees in my youth leader's living room, and what my life looked like after that. It wasn't perfect, it didn't completely change, but over time, I became much more like who Jesus wanted me to be. I shed some of the the tendencies that I had, and and really started to do things for the kingdom of God, and it led me to become a pastor. Okay, the gospel is as clear to, or as easy to share as your own personal story. And if you go into your own personal story and you think about what my life was like before I knew Jesus, then where I met Jesus, then what my life was like after I met Jesus, you can share from your perspective the gospel. However, If you don't have a clear moment when you accepted Jesus or a clear change in your life since you've known Christ, I'm asking the question if you understand the gospel completely. Oftentimes we have trouble explaining the gospel because we haven't submitted ourselves fully to Christ. We're playing a game. We're saying, I want to do religious stuff and feel good about how I live my life and I think that will in the end be good enough for me. And so we jump through the hoops. And there's religions all over the world, including Christian religions, that will tell you essentially in how they preach that as long as you're a good enough person, you'll be fine. And that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ at all. The gospel of Jesus Christ is based on grace. It's based on God doing the work for you because you can't earn it yourself. That's what makes it so earth-shatteringly different than anything else in the world. It doesn't look like anything else or any other way our world acts. You don't see the gospel in any other place other than through the person and work of Jesus. And so can you share the gospel clearly? Sometimes it's just easy sharing your story. Have you yourself experienced the gospel fully? So kingdom-minded people share it uh, clearly. Kingdom-minded people also create an environment where the gospel flourishes. Look at, as Jesus goes on, this is what he says about the parable. He goes, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time, and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. We've seen this before in many people where they come and receive the gospel of Jesus with joy, but then it seems like they did it in an emotional place, and then they walked away, and then they thought about it again, and then it didn't take root in their life. There was no place where it became part of what they were doing. And I just want to stop as kingdom-minded people, we have to create an environment where the gospel flourishes. And what often happens when we explain the gospel to somebody and they respond to it is that we need to invite them into a different way of living. And sometimes we have to hold their hand and walk them to a place where they can have some deep soil in their lives. That maybe they're in a place of rocky situation where their circumstances, where their life, where the people they're with are going to 
sort of uh, keep them from allowing the gospel to take root in their life. And sometimes it means creating community for them. It means bringing them into and being part of the church. It means grabbing hold and walking the distance of what it takes to get them to a place to allow the gospel to flourish in their lives. We can't just share the gospel and then walk away from the person. We have to share the gospel and then continue to live it out and invite that person every day back into it until their lives are changed, until they've seen it take root in their life. So kingdom-minded people create an environment where the gospel flourishes. And then lastly, he says, kingdom-minded people disciple people in the gospel. This is what Jesus says. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke out the word, making it unfruitful. And so you can see that kind of goes along with the last one. It's like we need to help people transition to a life where they're going to be able to see the gospel flourish and then we're going to need to disciple them in what it means to be a believer in Jesus. Now you can probably go back to your own personal life and think of a person who discipled you. Right? It was either a youth leader or a parent or a friend or someone who led that Bible study in college or somebody who encouraged you uh, to continue on with your faith. All of us, to get to a place where the the gospel can take root in our lives, it takes someone who discipled you. For me, that person uh, was my youth leader in my church who invited me into his house on every Wednesday and opened up the word and gave me my first Bible and showed me what it said about who I was in Jesus. And it took some time. I know why I went to youth group the very first time that I went. There were pretty girls there. I was interested in seeing what could take place between me and the girls who were in the group. I know why I went there, and I know what happened over time. What happened over time is a hunger for God's word was built into me by my youth leader, something that changed my life forever. As a 13-year-old, I was challenged to read the entire Bible, and I did as 13 years old. I think there are plenty of adults I know that have not read the entire Bible. And then I did it again at 14 and did it twice as a 15-year-old. And you know, yes, I'm a Bible nerd. This is what made me become a pastor. So I'm not telling you that you're terrible. But I'm just saying that was built into me and discipled into me by someone who cared enough to create the soil in my life, to share the gospel, to see it planted, and to walk me over that line of being discipled. And that's what it takes. The gospel is best received from healthy people, and healthy churches. It's when we see people for their, where they are in their life, the needs they have, we feel empathy for them, we stand in their place, we walk with them, we share the gospel, we create the environment, and we disciple them that we start to see lives changed because of the gospel. We started this idea that kingdom-minded people would bring God's Um, ways in heaven to earth as Jesus prayed in the, the Lord's prayer your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven what it looks like for kingdom minded people and kingdom minded churches is to always be proclaiming the gospel but there's a separation most Christians I think nowadays feel they think uh proclaiming the gospel is for the guy on stage 
it is, I, I should be, right? But they think it's for somebody at my church, but it's not for me personally. And I want you to know creating the kingdom, bringing God's ways to earth, is both an individual pursuit and it's a corporate pursuit. The church is you. We think of the church as this place that we go. We think of the church as maybe a group of people, if you have a better idea of what the church is, that maybe as a group of people. But often we don't see ourselves as being the church in our everyday lives. And I want you to wake up. Because there are people, and especially right now, who are struggling. They're around you all day long. They're at your workplace. They're in your family. They're in your neighborhood. They're the people that you work with, the people that you know, the people that you're connected to, and you can bring heaven, right, the kingdom of God in heaven to earth when you proclaim the gospel in someone's life. I wonder if we all caught that idea and we all internalized that idea and thought of ourselves as being someone who carried the gospel to proclaim as Jesus wanted us to, what would happen if we began to create Uh, a readiness in people and to nudge them and to be gentle, to live it out in front of them, to allow our words to create the gospel in their lives and then to carry them over the finish line as we disciple them and walk with them and make sure it takes root in their hearts. This is what kingdom-minded people do. We care enough about the people around us to feel uncomfortable, even if it means, you know, things aren't exactly easy, we'll do it anyways because we know this is what kingdom-minded people do. This is what Jesus would do and wants us to do. So the gospel is best received from healthy people and healthy churches. Let me pray for us. Jesus, would you use us? Even now as we pray, would you bring people to mind in our lives? we can create a readiness for the gospel in their life where we can nudge and be gentle in our conversation, peaceful in the way that we communicate your word and create a longing in them for a relationship with you. Jesus, would you allow us to communicate the gospel clearly in the way we live, the way we speak, how we encourage people, God, would you allow the gospel to take root in a good soil in the lives of people that we communicate or proclaim the gospel to? And would you do the work? Would you change uh, people's hearts and lives and allow them to catch the gospel the way that we have? We thank you for the gift of having open eyes and open ears and understanding hearts. Would you allow us to use this in your world to create your kingdom, in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Love you guys. Love you online. Love you here in the room. If you're in the room and you want to hang out and help us put away some chairs, we would love you even more. Uh, Otherwise, we will see you next week as we continue on in our series, Down to Earth. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.